What's it going to take to keep Oregon and Washington happy in the Pac-12? And what about all the outrage in the Pac-12 conference? Can we put an end to it with a single podcast? Plus, what John Wilner and I learned over the weekend. I'm John Canzano, and this is the Canzano and Wilner Podcast. What's better than one, John? Here's Johnny. Hmm, nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is Canzano and Wilner, a.k.a. John and John. I'm John Canzano. If you want to read me, go to johnconzano.com. That's where you exclusively can read me and get my columns and insight and analysis. If you want sourced, in-depth reporting and commentary, johnconzano.com is for you. Grab a free subscription, grab a paid subscription, whatever works for you. I am John Wilner, the Bay Area News Group Mothership, Pac12Hotline.com. We're available in every media outlet across the conference and That is the big question here that's looming over the season. How much is it going to take, if anything, to keep Oregon and Washington happy and potentially keep them in the Pac-12? You know, I think that there might be a number, right? If you look at it in terms of what those schools could get in the Big Ten versus what they could get in the Pac-12, I think there might be a number if the Pac-12 plays its cards right. And we've talked about the unequal revenue share model, and I – I was running some numbers over the weekend with the expanded playoff and how much that thing's going to be worth and and what the allocation could be if the Pac-12 decided it was going to let any playoff participant keep all that money for for getting in. Talking about 20, potentially more, 20 million, 25 million dollars. If Oregon made the playoff, Pac-12 could just say, Oregon, you keep that money. Would that would you think that would keep the Ducks happy? Would that keep Phil Knight happy? The expansion of the college football playoff to 12 teams is a game changer. There are two things that matter to the Pac-12 athletic departments. One, media rights revenue and the distributions from the conference. Uh, That is the lifeblood of every athletic department in the Pac-12 and really every Power 5 university and a lot of others. Uh, It's the media rights money that is driving conversations. Beyond that, it's it's the access to the college football playoff. And I think what we saw in the last couple of weeks as the university presidents and chancellors sort of circumvented the co- the conference commissioners and just said, look, we want to give stability to college athletics. What we saw was the calculus changed. Uh, if you're Oregon, you are now, I think, sitting in a better position, staying in the Pac-12 conference, at least from an access to the playoff standpoint, not the revenue, but from access to playoff, Oregon has an easier path to making the field of 12 teams staying in the Pac-12 versus going to the Big Ten, where you have to get by Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and Michigan State and Wisconsin. I mean, it is is a gauntlet in the the Big Ten Conference. In the Pac-12, if you're Oregon, you have the L.A. schools gone, right? Beginning in 2024, you have these massive paydays that are coming down the pipeline. Could be 20 million, could be 30 million, could be 40 million. We don't know yet. Uh, When the TV partners come in, we're going to know that. But if I'm Oregon right now, I am looking at an easier path to the playoff. And I think it's why we have heard all of that conversation around Oregon and Washington leaving sort of cool off in the wake of the announcement that, you know, the, the playoff will expand to 12 teams. I think it is an absolute game changer. I think one piece that people are forgetting a lot is the value of participating, not just the monetary value, but what it can do for your campus to be hosting one of those opening round games, the second Saturday 
of of December and it's you know you're at Husky Stadium and it's Washington against LSU you're in Eugene and it's Oregon against Penn State and it is a playoff game and that brings a value to the university to the alumni to donors that there you just can't necessarily match just with a straight cash payment every year so the big question is is how much right and i think if the playoff is worth two billion a year and i think that there's a good chance it's going to be two billion a year and the sec and the big 10 say you know what 50 percent of that is going to go to up on in a participation bucket so that's a billion a year for the teams that make it and the pac-12 has got a chance that it's going to be 20 25 million dollars per appearance per round and they say to Washington, Oregon, you know what, you guys can keep that whole thing or you can keep most of it. That may make those teams, those schools think twice. Let's start with a reality. Right now, the Big Ten Conference is not inviting Oregon and Washington or anybody else into the conference. Um, you know, and and I don't even think the Pac-12 Conference needs to say you get to keep all the money if you make the NCAA tournament or the college football playoff. I think they could give it just a larger share. Make Maybe you get 50% and then the rest of the conference splits the rest. Right now, the Pac-12 conference would split that 12 ways. Anytime you get to the college football playoff or the NCAA tournament units, you split it 12 ways. But first and foremost, uh, Oregon and Washington, I think, have some leverage. But I don't think it's the kind of leverage where like they have their bags packed and they're ready to leave for the Big Ten conference. I think it's just leverage that, hey, if the Big Ten one day calls... That's certainly a lot of money. How can you equalize that if you're the Pac-12? And I think George Klyovkov and the other Pac-12 members are probably looking at each other going, look, if you invest in football and basketball to the point where you are netting those windfalls, guess what? You get to keep larger than one-twelfth of that. You should get half of that or three-quarters of that. I don't even think they need to go to letting whoever earns it keep it all. Yeah, well, I think the Big Ten, I, I, I do not believe the majority of Big Ten schools regardless of what Kevin Warren wants to do, the commissioner, I don't think the majority of Big Ten schools are ready to expand again for a bunch of reasons. And I don't know that they want Pac-12 blood on their hands. I don't know that they feel like the money is there. And I don't know that their their network partners have the money right now. So I'm I'm with you. I think the best, the, the most likely course right now is that the, the Big Ten does not expand at least for a few more years, maybe even the end of the decade. And the Pac-12 signs a, a new media rights deal and has an opportunity to create a rewards-based postseason payment plan. And I think another important piece for people to recognize is the NCAA tournament is going to expand. It's going to 96 uh, somewhere in there, and it's going to start generating a lot more money, too. And there's going to be a much greater share of ter- NCAA re- tournament revenue going to the power conferences. So if the Pac-12 adopted... Uh, you know, a participation-based payment plan for March Madness, then that's also an incentive for a school like Arizona, for instance. I think it's absolutely going to be part of the Pac-12's plan, uh, some unequal revenue sharing of the postseason revenue. I want to pivot a little bit right now to the timeline for the media rights uh, outcome. What is the timeline? I've been thinking a lot about it. I think George Klyovkov left himself a wide berth at Pac-12 Media Day by saying, look, it's going to be after Labor Day. We'll get something done by the end of the year. Um, You know, I've been talking to some industry insiders, and they keep saying the longer this takes with the Pac-12 conference, the more likely it is that they are going to do something outside the box. If they go with traditional partners, we should hear something 
maybe right around October 17th, October 21st, certainly by Halloween, uh, something should be out there in the next few weeks that, hey, they're moving towards a deal or they have a deal in principle with ESPN or one of their other partners. But the longer this drags out, the more I believe that the Pac-12 could be doing something outside the box with one of the streaming partners or maybe some kind of loose partnership with the ACC. I certainly think that's still on the table. But I think, you know, for fans who are restless right now going, hey, what is going on? Um, you know, Labor Day was sort of seen as one one end of the spectrum. And then I kind of use Halloween as the as the bookend there. I think we're going to have some news in October, if not sooner. Maybe they leak something out. Hey, we've got a deal or we've got an offer sheet that is signed. But I, I think that is the time frame for this. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think and I am in the minority here uh, and that's uh, happy to be in that spot. But my strong suspicion is that the Pac-12 did not begin its exclusive negotiating window with ESPN and Fox until after the Big Ten's deal was announced, which makes it, and I don't remember the dates exactly, let's say August 20th, August 18th, August 20th. That's my guess as to when they opened that window officially. So we are, I think we are still in it and it's coming to a close soon, maybe even this week. Uh, the exclusive 30-day negotiating window. So my feeling is if we don't hear anything in the next, say, two weeks, then that means they have not cut an exclusive deal with Fox and ESPN, and they are going to go to the market. And then then you're talking about Amazon, you're talking about Turner, but you're definitely talking about this thing going into October, like you said, maybe even November. And let's not forget, if you expand, that takes time too. I mean, the big the Big Ten needed six months to get its negotiations done with the expansion. If the Pac-12 decides during this process that they need to add schools for whatever whatever reason, then it is absolutely into the second half of October, maybe even November. I lean towards the idea that the Pac-12 is going to add members, at least one member. You know, San Diego State, maybe SMU. After that, I think it's UNLV, Boise State, Fresno State that – all are sort of uh, looking in, going, hey, what can we do? Can we be part of this? I think the Pac-12 needs to replace the inventory that they lost with USC and UCLA. I think that's vital to the conference. It's vital to their media rights value and and certainly the, the uh, recruiting footprint of the Pac-12. They need to get back into Southern California. Uh, I also think that there are going to be some creative solutions, possibly playing some uh, non-conference games in, at SoFi Stadium or in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. I think those things are on the table but, you know, I, I think there's a move out here for the Pac-12 conference. I think it's important that they do add the right members, the right time. And and let me throw something at you. I was in Fresno over the weekend. I talked to some people at Fresno State. I mean, they, they're dying to get into the Pac-12. Boise State, UNLV, SMU, even San Diego State, even though they posture like, you know, they have leverage. You know, could they go to the Big 12 or not? The Pac-12 is where they should be or where they really want to be. Uh, what the Pac-12 could do is offer any additional incoming members, um, a, a reduced distribution in the media rights package. You can then take that money instead of, you know, Boise State got $5.5 million in their media rights uh, value that in their last contract, $5.5 million a year. Pac-12 doesn't need to give them $34, $35 million. They can get by by giving them $15 or $20 million. They, Boise State probably be happy to come into the conference uh, at a reduced number. And then if you are the Pac-12, you give or potentially give that that offset to Oregon and Washington if you want to reward them for staying in and make them happy. I mean, you could sprinkle the money across the 
the holdover uh, campuses, the 10 holdover campuses. I, I think there's some flexibility there. There are a lot of things they can do between adding inventory, between potentially partnering with the ACC on some kind of scheduling deal, you know, figuring out ways to play games at neutral sites in L.A. to keep a presence there, expanding. There's a lot of options for them. Uh, and it all depends on on the Big Ten. Right. I mean, the, the Big 12, there's. A lot of the chatter for the last, what, two and a half months has been about the Big 12. The Big 12 is not the issue. The Big 10 is the issue. If the Big 10 does not expand and add more West Coast schools this fall, the Pac-12 is going to sign a media rights agreement and move on into the future. How long that that agreement uh, holds, who knows? But the Big 12 is only an option if the Big Ten raids again and the four corner schools need a place to go. Otherwise, anything out of the Big 12 is smoke. Yeah, I think it is smoke. And, uh, I, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm talking to the ADs. They're not concerned right now about the Big 12 conference taking members. They're not. I mean, if Oregon and Washington bolt. Yes, it's run for the hills time. Right. It, but that's I don't see that happening for a number of reasons that we've already laid out. And so I think what the Big 12 is doing right now is I think. You know, I think they're trying to distract. I think the co commissioner of the Big 12 conference is trying to prove to his bosses that he's working. Um, uh, he's doing a lot of talking, but I don't see action there. And, you know, I've talked to various ADs, including Four Corners ADs, who say there is just nothing to this. They do not know where it's coming from. Everybody's sort of annoyed and irritated with it. And I think now it, it, they've sort of moved on from that conversation. Uh, Wilner, let's talk a little bit about the what we learned over the weekend. I was at Fresno State's game against Oregon State. Uh, I know you saw Stanford and USC, but beyond that, what'd you learn this weekend in the Pac-12? You know, I think that, and I'll, I'll eat these words, but there is a chance that when we get to the first weekend of December and it's time for the Pac-12 championship game, that one of the teams in that game is the Washington Huskies. We, we will see, we will learn a lot about Washington, I think, th this weekend against Michigan State. And we can certainly talk about that uh, later this week uh, in, our, in our next episode. But the Huskies look good. They look competent on offense. Michael Penix looks very comfortable. They've got some talent. And I think they've got a coach. He was not nearly as high profile a hire as Dan Lanning at Oregon. Certainly not as Lincoln Riley at, at USC, but Kalen DeBoer is a really good coach. He uh, he knows what he's doing, and I think that the Huskies the Huskies could end up being one of the best two or three teams in the league. There's no question in my mind. And so, what did I learn? I learned that there is a higher level of of competence at the on the Washington coaching staff. And I know Husky fans may scoff and say, "Well, that's not that's not hard, right?" Given where things were, but. They look really good, and I think that they're going to beat Michigan State, and they're going to enter the Pac-12, the conference play, as a team to beat. I'll piggyback off what you're saying. I look, Washington looks good. Kalen DeBoer looks like a good hire, but how about Washington State and Jake Dickert? How about Oregon State and Jonathan Smith? The stones that it took to send your offense back out onto the field and go, you know what? Uh, you know, we're going to try to win the game right here. How about Dan Lanning in Oregon and the talent that Oregon has? What I'm saying is the strength of the Pac-12 conference is in the Pacific Northwest. Between Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, 
as long as you're predicting that you're saying the Huskies will get there, I'm saying one of those four Pacific Northwest teams will get there and potentially play USC and Utah. That's kind of the feeling I left the weekend with watching Washington State win in Madison, watching Oregon State win on the road and be tough and knowing what Washington and Oregon are. Uh, I think the core of the conference, maybe not the best team, but the core of the conference is in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, and and it's interesting. Three of those teams, if they get there, it, the defense is probably going to have to take them, right? Um, Oregon State, Washington State, and I think the Ducks, the defense is going to have to lead the way for the Ducks, and they're going to get a great test Saturday with BYU. But they, all three of those schools, defense is going to is going to lead the way, and it's it's amazing how you know Oregon State and Washington State, you know, they just are are similar to me. They're they're fast, they're aggressive, they are getting coached up uh, to maximize their talent. I mean, Washington State shut out Wisconsin in the second half, right at Camp Randall, generated three turnovers, made all the big plays. That was just, you know, an incredible effort for them. And although I was a little bit surprised by how well they did, you know, their defense has been playing well since last year, right? I mean, the question for them is how long is it going to take for this offense to get into a rhythm where the defense doesn't have to win every game for them? That, to me, that's the big issue for Washington State. At what point does the offense start playing, you know, doing its part and if, if that happens soon, they got a great chance to stay in this thing. I still think Utah's the best team in the conference. Like, look, USC, everybody's talking about USC this week and how good they've looked, and that's great, and that's fine. But I still want to see them play against some of the more physical teams in the conference. I want to see them against Oregon State's offensive line. I want to see them against Utah. Uh, but I think that right now we're trying to still figure out who these teams all are. But... Uh, I think the conference has a lot of lot to be excited about and feel good about after a couple of weeks. That opening week wasn't great. That SEC face plant that Oregon and Utah did hurt the conference. But I think they have helped in the last couple of weeks, and I think they have a big opportunity this weekend. We'll talk about that later in the week. Big opportunity this weekend for the Pac-12 to get its feet underneath it. He is fabulous. John Canzano, johncanzano.com. I am John Wilner, Pac-12 hotline. You know, one thing... That, you know, the sexy thing, obviously, is the playoff. And is the Pac-12 going to get a team in the playoff for the first time since 2016? Maybe it's SC. Maybe Utah can find a way. I don't know. But an important piece to the whole, you know, judgment of the season is also how you do in the games that don't matter as much. And you touched on this. I I did a, you know, quick math. Through two weeks last year, the Pac-12 was 11 and 11 in non-conference games. Two weeks this year, it is 16 and six. And that's a huge deal just by the bowl math, right? The more wins you get early against non-conference teams, the fewer you've got to win in conference to get bowl eligible. And the way that if the, if the Pac-12 can keep it up one more week, it's going to be in position where it could send seven or eight teams into the postseason. And that, you know, that hasn't, it hasn't happened in, in a, a while. The last time they got more than seven was was 2017. It's been six and six. And, you know, they keep winning these non-conference games. A lot of teams are going to be able to go three and six or four and five in league play. And then they're going to be in the postseason. And that's how the Big Ten and the SEC, get, you know, pile up bowl, bowl bids because they got a lot of teams that are in that seven and five, six and six range. Pac-12 needs to do that. And, and it's kind of on its way. 
I wrote about the East Coast bias that the Pac-12 falls prey to this week, and uh, I wrote it at johnconzano.com if you want to check it out. But it, I, I basically looked at Oregon State and why they're not ranked in the top 25. And what I found was only 16 of the AP polls, 64 voters, put Oregon State on their ballots. And I started wondering, like, how many people on the East Coast actually saw or knew of Oregon State's win over Fresno State? I mean, the game ended at 11.13 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, so I reached out to some of the voters uh, who are on the East Coast, and, you know, it's 2.13 in the morning when that game ends on the East Coast. And I found that only four of the AP voters in the Eastern time zone put Oregon State on the ballot. I think there's a definite East Coast slant to this stuff. I think it's something that we all need to be aware of. But you hit on something, Wilner, on something you wrote about, you know, the outrage in the Pac-12 conference. People are upset that the Pac-12 network is going to carry the September 24th USC-Oregon State game. You have an explanation for it. What the heck is going on there? Why is that game going to be a 6.30 kickoff on the Pac-12 networks? All right. Well, so the answer to that is the weekly draft, right? Starting today uh, and now every Monday for the rest of the season, Fox, ESPN, and the Pac-12 networks are going to conduct a weekly draft of the games that are going to be two Saturdays away. Most of the time, two Saturdays away, sometimes one Saturday away, right? So today they drafted the games for September 24th. ESPN and Fox, because they're paying $3 billion for the Pac-12's TV uh, rights. They have the, the best picks every week, right? So this week, what what do Fox and ESPN do? Well, Fox takes Oregon at Washington State. That's the one o'clock game. And ESPN takes Utah and Arizona State. That's a 730 game. Now, look, that you got ranked teams. Uh, you got a bunch of ranked teams there uh, in Utah and, and, and Oregon. And, you know, you got uh, Washington State is good TV draw. But the question is, why didn't they take Oregon State and SC? So the rules of the game are as follows. And this is something fans do not necessarily grasp. Everybody is obligated to appear on the Pac-12 networks each year. The same number of games, it equates to the same number of non-conference home games you have. So USC has three non-conference home games this season. Rice. Fresno State, Notre Dame. That means USC must appear on the Pac-12 networks a minimum of three times. Oregon, for example, has two non-conference uh, home games this year. Oregon only has to appear on the Pac-12 networks a minimum of two times. So if you're Fox and you're ESPN and you're looking at SC and you're thinking, boy, that's a ratings machine down the stretch. If Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams are rolling and SC is a top 10 team and they're in the playoff hunt, those networks are going to want to have SC. They're going to want to have the ability to draft USC for all those big games in October and November. So what the, but they know that SC still has to obligations for the Pac-12 network. So what do they do? They pass on SC now and leave that game to the Pac-12 networks. Now SC has played, will have played two Pac-12 network games, Rice and Oregon State, before October. There's only one left that they have to be on. Only one more time will SC have to be on the Pac-12 networks. That gives Fox and ESPN far more cards to play with the Trojans 
down the stretch when they're really going to want him, especially in November, right? I mean, can you imagine SC is top five? They're in a playoff in the playoff hunt, and they got to appear on the Pac-12 networks. That's what ESPN and Fox want to avoid. So basically, they gave that game to the Pac-12 networks now so that they have access to SC later when it really counts. What I think is going on there, you know, look, I understand what the Pac-12 does and and the contractual obligations to the Pac-12 networks and the partners. But what I think we have at play here is frustration from fans that is cumulative, that is built up over a decade of watching the lack of distribution, not being able to find their team on the Pac-12 networks. I mean, frankly, the brand of the Pac-12 networks is damaged. And when fans see their team playing on the Pac-12 network, what, what happens in your heart? Your heart sinks. Because you go, oh, man, I got to watch it there, and I can't, am I going to be able to find it? Or if I'm traveling, are they going to have it? Or am I, is the restaurant or bar I go into going to have the Pac-12 network? So, so I get the frustration with that. Um, I think there's a real good chance that you're going to get a 3-0 Oregon State against a 3-0 USC team in Corvallis on the 24th of September. And I think that would have been a big deal for the Pac-12 to get some exposure outside of the footprint. And the 6.30 kickoff is not going to give it that. It's going to be a 9.30 Eastern time kickoff. And I think it could potentially be a huge game where we learn a lot about USC and a lot about Oregon State. Oh, absolutely. And what they've done to SC, right? They beat they beat SC, the, the Pete Carroll teams, what, twice in Corvallis uh, with Mike Riley? Oh, there's no question. The fan frustration from Oregon State side and from SC side, totally understandable. But it has nothing to do with the schools. It has, it has nothing to do with the conference leadership right now. This was a, a, a plan that was hatched and agreed to a decade ago uh, when they were making the big bet on the Pac-12 networks. That's why they kept 36 games in reserve, right? Fox and ESPN could have all the Pac-12 games right now. They don't. 36 games are reserved for the Pac-12 networks, right? And it turned out that it's on. they're on those 36 games are on a network that nobody can find. It's like 11 million uh, households at this point. It's a bad deal for a situation like this, but it was all set in stone a decade ago. And this rule has been in place, basically. I mean, it's uh, I don't know exactly how in the contract the, that stipulation is phrased, but that's the deal. You have to appear on the Pac-12 networks at least the same number of times as you have home non-conference home games. So anybody that's got two non-conference home games, you've got to be on the Pac-12 networks at least twice. If you've got three like SC, you got to be on at least three times. And another piece of the problem with SC is the Colorado game, which would be an obvious choice for the Pac-12 networks uh, in early November is a Friday game, which means it's on FS1. So that's not in the pool of games that could be played on the Pac-12 networks later on. That, I'm sure, played into Fox and ESPN's thinking when they decided to pass on uh, the game next week in Corvallis. The hope is that when this new media rights deal gets done, that all of that content that we got used to seeing on the Pac-12 networks will be somewhere that has got wider distribution and that moving forward... You don't have people lamenting, oh, it's got to be on the Pac-12 networks. So uh, if not, the hope is that they just get a better distribution deal, period, end stop. That's the end of it. Uh, That's why you come to this podcast, though. Wilner's got the answers. Uh, We've got the analysis and the commentary. Uh, We are going to have potentially a big guest on next week's show. I'll tease it here. 
you're going to want to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast um, so that you don't miss that. But uh, we are going to try to mix in some guests that we pepper with interviews in the course of doing this podcast. Make sure you're reading me at johnconzano.com. That's where you find me exclusively now. That's where I'm writing. Uh, and I will be all around the Pac-12 footprint. I'm going to do some surprising things in the coming weeks. So I appreciate those who are along for the ride. Wilner, tell them where to find you. Area News Group, Pac-12Hotline.com. And also we are available media outlets throughout the conference. Good discussion. We got plenty to talk about later in the week. That's for sure. It's a huge week for the conference. I think this is the weekend to really shape the narrative for the Pac-12. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. Give us some feedback, and we will catch you later in the week as we look forward to the uh, games coming up week three. Still ahead.